Welcome to Pennsylvania Legacies, the Pennsylvania Environmental Council's podcast series. I'm Josh Rollerson. Save the date, March 15th and 16th, 2017, PEC is hosting a national conference on deep decarbonization, aggressive action to curtail carbon emissions using new technologies and other innovations. The focus for this particular event is on electric power generation and what it'll take to make the kinds of dramatic reductions necessary within that sector to avoid the very worst impacts of climate change. Electricity is just one facet of the conversation around deep decarbonization, which we will be exploring here in the months ahead. Today, to get a better sense of what's at stake, we'll hear from one of the experts who will be speaking at the conference. In order to stabilize the climate at anything like a reasonable level, we're going to have to reduce emissions from our energy system and the rest of the economy by 80, 90 percent, or perhaps even more than that if we waste time and don't get started quickly. Thoughts from Carnegie Mellon University Professor M. Granger Morgan coming up. But first, a look at environmental and energy news headlines from around Pennsylvania over the last week. The State Department of Environmental Protection on Wednesday announced more than $3.5 million in fines against Rice Energy for well pad and pipeline violations over several years in southwestern Pennsylvania. The largest fine was for leaks from an unpermitted wastewater impoundment and other violations at a pair of sites in Greene County. Also this week, DEP delivered an update on its investigation into possible perfluorinated compound contamination in drinking water at several sites in Bucks County. PFCs are found in a wide range of manufactured products, including chemical firefighting foam that may have been used at a former U.S. Navy facility in the area. Testing found excessive levels of the chemical in private water wells nearby, prompting DEP to schedule a second round of sampling for this month. The state auditor general's office on Tuesday released the results of a four-year review of how communities are spending impact fee revenues distributed by the Public Utility Commission under Act 13, the 2012 law regulating shale gas drilling. The audit looked at 10 counties and 20 municipalities that have been among the largest recipients of impact fees, which are meant to offset environmental and infrastructure costs related to drilling activity. The audit found 24 percent of that money was instead being spent on other things like operating costs, legal fees and community celebrations. At a press conference, Auditor General Eugene D. Pasquale listed some of those expenditures, including Susquehanna County's purchase of a 2016 Ford Explorer for the district attorney's office. De Pasquale says those types of spending run counter to the intent of the law. They may be necessary expenditures for that local government, but I have no knowledge of anybody getting on the House floor in 2012 and saying, we need to pass this impact fee so the district attorney gets a better car. But the audit also points out there's very little in Act 13 to prevent inappropriate uses of impact fee money in the first place. In fact, it says the fault is not with Act 13 communities nor with PUC, which collects and distributes the funds, but rather with the law itself. In its current form, Act 13 requires recipients to self-report how they plan to spend the money rather than the spending itself. The law also doesn't require PUC to verify that information. DePasquale says that's fairly unusual in the world of state-administered funds. If you are doing a capital budget project for the state of Pennsylvania, and not submitting your proper paperwork, you just don't get the state money. Those type of requirements do not exist in Act 13. The audit recommends the General Assembly overhaul the legislation to clarify how impact fee funds should be spent to strengthen reporting requirements and improve state oversight. 
The Pittsburgh Water and Sewer Authority last week unveiled a report recommending the adoption of green infrastructure features like rain gardens and permeable concrete to help absorb stormwater runoff. The combined sewer system shared by Pittsburgh and surrounding communities is under an EPA mandate to reduce sewage overflows that happen when rainfall overwhelms its water treatment facility. The draft report says features that allow rainwater to be absorbed directly into the ground instead of flowing into the sewer system will not only help bring the system into compliance with the federal mandate, but will also save money. The Green First report details the city's plans for green infrastructure improvements in six high-priority neighborhoods. Mayor Bill Peduto and the PWSA urged the Allegheny County Sanitary Authority to adopt a similar approach. Plans to retrofit a coal-fired power plant in Montour County to run on natural gas have been delayed. PatentLive.com reports Talon Energy is taking a closer look at the project announced last summer that would modify the facility's boilers to use both coal and natural gas. The Allentown-based power generator said last week it's planning to wait and see how a similar modification recently implemented at another of its plants in York County works out. And some seasonal advice from our partners at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. The best way to green up your house for the holidays is with a real Christmas tree, not an artificial one. In an op-ed last week, CBF Pennsylvania Director Harry Campbell reminded readers of the York Dispatch that fresh-cut trees are both recyclable and renewable, and that they play an important ecological role before harvesting. They also play an important role in Pennsylvania's economy. The Commonwealth is one of the nation's leading producers of Christmas trees, with more than 1,300 tree farms spanning 31,000 acres. Artificial trees are often manufactured overseas using non-biodegradable petroleum-based materials. The National Christmas Tree Association says the average fake tree is used for less than 10 years before ending up in the landfill. M. Granger Morgan is a professor of engineering at Carnegie Mellon University. There, he works mainly on technical and scientific approaches to policy problems with a focus on energy and climate change. Morgan will deliver the keynote address at PEC's upcoming conference, Achieving Deep Carbon Reductions, Paths for Pennsylvania's Electricity Future. And to preview those remarks, we asked him for a brief overview of the case for deep decarbonization. Here's Professor Morgan. I want to talk about three things. First, I want to talk a little bit about how different carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases are from normal air pollution, sulfur dioxide and other such things. Then I want to talk about just how big the challenge is of achieving deep decarbonization and finally about the fact that it's going to take substantial technical innovation to get there at a a level we can afford. So first of all, When air pollution got bad in places like Pittsburgh or when it gets bad enough in Beijing, we can stop emitting and the problem goes away. What too many Americans don't understand is that carbon dioxide isn't like that. When you put air pollution in the atmosphere, it stays there for a few hours or a few days. When you put carbon dioxide in the atmosphere or all the other greenhouse gases as well, it stays there for decades or centuries. So this Carbon dioxide we're putting in the atmosphere right now is going to still be there, most of it, when our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are around. So the first insight there is that while you can stop air pollution by just stopping emissions when it gets bad enough, if climate change gets bad enough, and it will, you can't solve it at that point by simply stopping emissions of carbon dioxide. So that's the first point. It's fine that the Paris Agreement said we should try to limit CO2 
levels to the point that temperature rises below two degrees or, or maybe one and a half degrees centigrade. But that's a wish. I'm 75 and I'd like to be 40 next year. You know, not all wishes will turn true. And so we could still limit emissions to a level that keeps the temperature rise to under uh, two degrees, but that'll take dramatic action now, and there are no signs that's about to happen. Forecasts suggest that global CO2 emissions are going to continue to rise for the next several decades. To achieve two degrees or less, we're probably actually even going to have to end up taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And that isn't going to be easy or cheap. Technically, you can probably do it, but it's not straightforward. Which leads to the third issue, which is too many people are focused on picking winners. That is, they don't want nuclear, or they don't want this, or they don't want that. In order to dramatically reduce our emissions of carbon dioxide, we're going to need a portfolio of absolutely everything we've got. And even then, we're probably not going to make it, and we're likely to bust the ceiling of two or three degrees centigrade. But we are not at a stage right now where we can take any of these things off the table. There are lots of things we can do to improve the technologies, and indeed, we need substantial investments in technology innovation, research, and demonstration in order to get the cost down But in the meantime, we ought to be moving much more aggressively than we are right now in instituting uh, new low or zero carbon technologies, not just for electricity, although that's probably the easiest because it comes from large central plants, but from motor vehicles, from other transport sectors, and then from a lot of other things like making cement, making iron and steel, and and all the other uh, things that are part of a major industrial economy. The United States and much of the rest of the world have finally begun to muddle its way towards decarbonizing the energy system. And there's actually some literature in political science that says that in many settings, muddling along is better than trying to produce a comprehensive vision of where we're trying to go. But the problem with the climate problem is that muddling is only going to get us so far, and it could result in our doing some things that make it hard to get even further in terms of deep reductions. In order to stabilize the climate at anything like a reasonable level, we're going to have to reduce emissions from our energy system and the rest of the economy by 80-90% or perhaps even more than that if we waste time and don't get started quickly. And so it's wonderful that we've finally started down the path of the clean power plan. It's unfortunate that some years back the Congress didn't manage to pass laws that put carbon taxes in place, but several parts of the country have. I mean, California has prices on carbon. The Northeast does. They're way too low still. They're not high enough to actually induce the sort of innovation and activities that we need But it's going to take more than just sort of modest incremental steps. We're talking about an enormous transformation of our energy system and the economy. 
That's M. Granger Morgan of Carnegie Mellon University. He's our keynote speaker at the Achieving Deep Carbon Reductions Conference PEC is hosting next year. It'll be held March 15th and 16th at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in downtown Pittsburgh, featuring some of the region's and the nation's top experts on renewable energy, energy efficiency, nuclear power, and carbon capture and storage. We've added more names to the speakers list, and you can check out the full agenda and get registered for the conference all at the website. It's peck-climate.org. That's P-E-C-climate.org. And that's our show for this week. Pennsylvania Legacies is a production of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. You can catch up on previous episodes and learn more about Peck's work statewide on our website at peckpa.org. I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.